You're listening to Sunny Side Up, a bite-sized podcast that brings you real-world insights, which help go-to-market professionals evolve and stay up to date on the latest trends. Join us as we share best practices and proven techniques from industry experts and practitioners. I'm your host, Mithul Shah. Today's episode is made possible by Demand Matrix. Demand Matrix helps you complete your data stacks with technographic, intent, and revenue potential data to help you accelerate revenue. Thanks for listening. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Sunnyside Up. I'm your host, Mitul Shah. Today, I'm super excited to talk to Madhukar Kumar about creating virtual experiences for marketing. Madhukar is a marketing and product executive with a strong technical background and 15 years of experience leading global product marketing and management teams. His specific areas of expertise include go-to-market strategies with compelling messages for B2B audiences. Currently, he's Vice President of Product Marketing at Nutanix. Madhukar, I'm really excited to talk to you. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Really glad to be here. So Madhukar, in a pre-interview, we were having the conversation and I was really intrigued by your background and your journey from being a reporter to a product marketing leader. Tell us about your journey. That's, that's so exciting. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, it's uh, one of these stories that I like to tell everybody, including my children, over and over again. I started off uh, my career back in 1995 in Delhi, and I joined Hindustan Times as a reporter. And in fact, believe it or not, I was in the crime beat. So I used to report off uh, all the crime stories in the city that would happen. Yeah, and then uh, came 1998-99, and somehow I got my hands on a copy of Dreamweaver and I learned on my own how to create HTML pages. So when we showed up in the office, a couple of guys, we said, hey, wouldn't it be great if we took the entire Hindustan Times newspaper and put it on the World Wide Web every day? And so we started to do that every day. We would, the two of us would sit down and create the entire newspaper edition on, on the web. And that started the journey for what used to be at that time called htonline.com. Mm. From that point onwards, I moved to the U.S. to do my master's in mass communication. And because of my experience, it fit really well. But then I wanted to do more of computer science. And that's when I did my master's in software engineering, became a developer. Then I became from a developer after a few years, went into product management side. And then I was working in a startup where uh, we created this entire roadmap and vision. So the CEO said, hey, why don't you also run marketing, product marketing for this as well? So I moved over into product marketing as well. And for the last seven, eight years, now I've kind of been doing both, but more focused towards zero touch experiences for customers. And, and that's been a more recent focus. That is so fascinating. So I guess if I can extract something from the from this particular story, right? It was your belief of like, you know, get stuff done, seeing is believing type of an approach. You know, let's get started. Let's throw something on the wall and see if it sticks and, and you know, focus on it. How did you come to that particular approach? Yeah, I, I always felt like, uh, you know, when you all of us, when we go through experiences, you're more likely to believe when you actually have something that you're looking to buy in your hand, so to speak. Funny story, before the macro conditions today, my daughter was a teenager. She and I used to go shopping 
And she would tell me, dad, never touch a product inside a store because if you do, you're more likely to buy it. And I was like, huh, that sounds interesting. And it's true. If you go somewhere, whether if you're uh, buying a house, you're more likely to visualize yourself in terms of what does that product do to change your life if you were to use it. And when a really successful company manages to do that, whether it's in the physical world or the virtual world, that's the most compelling customer experience. So, you know, you can almost call it like haptic marketing, so to speak. So I, I always liked the idea, and you know, coming from a technical background, what I wanted to do is like, hey, I'm not really interested in listening to a pitch deck straight away. I don't wake up thinking, hey, I would love to go hear a pitch deck. What I'm interested in is uh, I do my own search and then I might call up my friends. But after I know a little bit more about the product, now I'm talking about the virtual world, I want to get my hands on it. And once I get my hands on it, I try and visualize how this is going to change my uh, job or my world or my team's you know, day-to-day life. And that, to me, is a, is a big differentiator when it comes to customer experience and the overall journey for either a marketer or somebody in sales. That's, that's very, uh, very interesting, right? So how do you apply this idea to marketing and and coming back to like what you do today, like at Nutanix, where you have a very complex product, right? Which requires, you know, you owning a hardware, a bunch of software, open source, combining all these things together to create this, uh, if I can call it like this virtual experience, one click, you know, no touch experience. Yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, when I joined Nutanix, I did my own research, of course, I knew what the company did and so on. But from the outside, you don't really get to play with the product, right? Unless you go to uh, the web page, you sign up for a demo, but then you're talking to somebody in sales, which is great if you're trying to do a purchase, but not great if you're trying to learn. So in my mind, when I think of myself as a buyer, and I've been a buyer being in product management and product marketing, because we all have budgets and we go and make purchases, I always feel, what is the fastest time to delight for somebody like me when they're trying to do their research, when they're trying to do learn and they're trying to do try before buy? And, you know, when you think about Nutanix, Nutanix started off the whole category on hyperconverged infrastructure. And when you say infrastructure, our roots were primarily around infrastructure that was related to hardware. But over a period of time, we have uh, the company has virtualized their entire platform in the sense you can now take that and run it on any different platform that you want, whether it's hardware or maybe even uh, bare metal and public cloud. So when I wanted to try it out, I had to go buy hardware, then I had to go install the community edition, and then I had to configure it, and then I had to talk to people to understand the networking and such. And I thought, well, wouldn't it be great if all of this was available to our end customers without them ever having to worry about hardware installation, configuration, and all of that? And so there was a there was a project called Test Drive that had started much before I joined. And what uh, somebody in the marketing team had been able to do was to create that cluster in our world and make it available through a browser. 
So we took that idea and really launched what we called as Test Drive 2.0 earlier in the year. And that had all the bells and whistles of what an end ideal customer experience should look like. You come in, you sign up, and now you have the entire experience of what a Nutanix platform would look like without ever ever having to buy hardware, do the installation, configuration, and so on. So that's how we took that seeing is believing kind of a notion and applying to what we do. And now it's become one of the major initiatives in my, in my team. That is so interesting. You know, but I mean, like it, it probably sounds simple, but under the hood, I'm sure there's so much complexity because it, it is it is a complex product. It has hardware, software, you know, deployment, you know, all kind of complexities that are that are essentially part of it. So when you or your team were thinking about incubating it or even extending it or or trying to make it real, what are some of the challenges you face while building and implementing this, if I can call it like aha moments or this virtual experience of test driving? Yeah, and I think uh, you know one of the biggest challenges that we all face today is around complexity, right? If you think about it, complexity happens because there's so many choices. Mm. But at the end of the day, the customer is in complete control and they should be in complete control because they are the ones who make the end decision of whether to make a purchase or not. So the challenges that we faced, the number one was how do we remove complexities? How do we remove any kind of friction for somebody to be able to go and start enjoying our product as soon as possible? And so when you start digging in, there are all kinds of complexities in the technology and the processes and the different teams and how they are you know, kind of organized together. And you have to start chipping them off one by one. You have to first figure out from an end customer's perspective, what does that journey look like? And we, I, I typically tell people the three principles that you should work with. Number one is to remove any kind of friction for the users and, and customers to be able to start using your product. So if that friction means that they have to sign up the form again and again, you should really consider about whether they should be signing up the form or whether we should be showing them up that form at all. Number two would be fastest time to delight. When somebody signs up for the form, they shouldn't have to wait. They shouldn't have to wait for even a few minutes. The experience should start immediately. And number three is that person, that, that customer, is now trying to, quote-unquote, touch your product. So try and make that experience as personalized as possible. And that's one of the hardest things to do. And if you think about it, you know, in, in, in virtual experiences, really, there are two ends of a spectrum. One end of the spectrum is zero touch. You come in, and now you have to figure out the entire platform all or in your own. The other end of the spectrum is when somebody in sales is doing the demo, but you're not really getting a full experience because you're not in control. So the real magic happens when you land somewhere in between where somebody starts off with a zero-touch experience, but when the customer wants to talk to somebody, you have the chatbot available. When they want to learn something more, you have guardrails using things like WalkMe to show you, you know, or guide you what are the overall experiences, where to click, and give you more context about that. 
And that's where I think uh, the Nutanix test drive fits in. We landed somewhere in between where you start off with the least amount of friction, you learn, but you are in control. And at any point, if you want to go talk to a human, you can do that through the chatbot within the experience. That is actually a very, very refreshing approach, you know, that I'm hearing. And and many times, and I think we we as a company, you know, Demand Matrix, we are sometimes, you know, fall into this trap that we all build our ICPs and we try to focus so much on our ICPs that, hey, XYZ customer doesn't fall into my ICP, then it's not worth my time and I'm not going to go in that direction. I'm sure you guys went through that process right because i mean assuming that you guys are selling to mid to to large you know enterprise customers or maybe hyper growth startups having this experience spinning up a bunch of clusters people test driving it it's costing you guys right it's costing expense for you how do you kind of optimize that that fine balance between and somebody in icp non-icp and and providing you know this experience firsthand Yeah, I think first and foremost, what I personally believe in and our entire executive team believe in is that if somebody has raised their hand and they want to experience overall Nutanix platform, then we should give that Mm -hmm. without any questions. Whether that person eventually purchases or not should be immaterial because we consider ourselves to be extremely customer-centric company. And so from that perspective, the other dimension, like you mentioned, middle that we, we need to look at is what is the ideal customer profile too? And when we looked at, once we launched it, when we looked at the kind of personas of people taking test drive, there were mostly people like, uh, you know, practitioners, people like me, as I like to say, hands on the keyboard. And when I picture myself in their shoes, I think to myself, hey, don't make me fill out a form because I am not really convinced yet that I'm going to buy this product. I just want to learn something. And and so from that perspective, you know, one of the things that uh, came to our mind was, okay, that's great. And if you have already come to my website and I have, you know, seen that you've downloaded a white paper and maybe you've filled out a form, first thing I want to do is to remove that friction from from there. So we said, okay, if you come in and as of yesterday, we have launched a brand new page on our site where you come in and we don't even present the form to you. You just go give your email address because we need to send you the link on where to get started and then you're done. And so we look at this and we say, okay, whether you're an ICP or not, we know we firmly believe that our product is truly magical And if you are a practitioner, let's remove all the barriers so that you can try it out immediately. And even if you are not an ICP and you are curious about knowing what a platform looks like, that is fine as well. We'll let you have that experience. No questions asked. So that's kind of the philosophy is to not treat this as a demand generation tool, but more treat it as a customer experience tool. Hmm. So what, what kind of success have you guys seen with this approach? Yeah. uh, In fact, uh, you know, we kind of like a startup and we see a growth and we see a decent 30 to 40% growth quarter over quarter. But obviously, because, uh, you know, it's fairly new, if you look at the projections, we are not satisfied at 30 to 40%. (laughs) 
I tell my team, if you want to do something really radical and revolutionary, it's not 40% growth. You have to aim for a 400% growth. Then you're doing something significant. Otherwise, you're just moving the needle very slowly. So our, our ambitions are much higher. So far, we have seen the number of test drive users or customers or test drivers, whatever you want to call them, they have gone up consistently day by day. And we have uh, seen a few of these, what we call as growth accelerators that we are really doubling down on. And just between February and today, our average number of uh, our daily active users have gone from uh, you know few users in a day to, I would say, the overall growth percentage is close to about 80 to 90 percent now. That is phenomenal. This is this is so interesting. I, I just finished reading a book called Mastery that talks about the exact same topic. Well, why you should have an audacious goal. And even if you cannot, so for whatever reason cannot, you're still going to be for, way further ahead if you were to just put some kind of percentages around it. Yeah. And, and you know, one of the quick thing I will say is uh, because this combines both product management and product marketing, it's building the product of the experience and then, of course, trying to make it more adoptable by your customers. What I feel is that you should look at the fact not to build a product for your power users, but really build it out for the general masses. Mm. You should try and build it in a way so that most of the fringe users should be able to take advantage of it versus just make it for the power users. And that's one of those uh, principles that has done really well so far for us. And we hope to go further on this. I think that, I mean, I'm just thinking about reflecting to some of our experiences. I think that can be topic by itself. It is really powerful. I don't think uh, many people really realize that, that how powerful that statement is, how to build a product for masses, because I think we all fall into victim of trying to focus on the niches and trying to figure out, you know, one particular area and so forth. But no, I think that's that's very powerful. So based on this whole conversation with Ugar, if somebody who's listening to it and is trying to figure out that, okay, how can they build these virtual experiences? How can they build these test drives? What are the some of the essential elements to it? What's your advice for that? Yeah, I would say to start with the basics, and that is what we try to do as well. Try and be the customer that would be going through that experience, and then try and see how simple it could be, and then figure out how do you make that experience into a reality. And I know it sounds really trivial, but trust me, it's going to be hard because when you figure out, oh, I don't want the customer to fill out a form, you would have to go convince everybody in your company that it's not about MQLs. It's not about getting leads. It's about something bigger. It's about getting the right customer and then having those customers be loyal to you and have a much more longer relationship. So that's the first thing you'd have to figure out. Then you would have to figure out if I remove the form and I make this entire experience only accessible through a browser and an internet connection, what are the technology pieces I need to have in the background? Then you'll have to figure out, well, if somebody does need help or is not getting the experience, what are the exceptions and how do I account for that? That's where your process and your team and your organization comes in. So I would say, you know, if you if you buy into the fact that your customer 
is in total control of the buying experience today or any experience for that matter, then build that virtualized experience around that and the rest should just follow. That would be my advice to my peers. Very interesting. So try being customer first, remove the friction from that experience, you know, and build the whole process around that and build a product that is general for masses first. Would that be a exactly. would that be a good summary? Yeah, that's that's exactly it is. Fantastic. Well, Madhuka, thank you so much for you know sharing your insights. I'd really enjoyed having you on a podcast today. Thanks again. Great to be here. Thanks again. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Sunny Side Up. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, rate, and review us, and share these insights with your peers. Mm-hmm.